Welcome back to True Crime Trine, a podcast where the planets align, three friends gather together and chat about true crime, astrology, and any other weird bullshit they could fit into this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. Welcome to episode 84? Four? 85. Five. Really? 85. Wait a oh minute. Oh my lord. I thought I checked. <laughs> it's fall, y'all. Well, 83, <laughs> 83 just came out this week. It was 84, wasn't it? It says oh. it. I checked Spotify because I was trying to figure out what number we were on. We did 82 and 83 is a double header situation. Maybe it is. Hold on. I'm going to go to our episode. <laughs> Yo, please, it's 84. <laughs> yeah. It is eight, episode 84. Just to let you know how wine drunk I was at dinner, they were like, how many episodes have you done? I was like, somewhere around 100, I think, now. <laughs> like, I, I mean, thought close. we were over 100 already. Fucking <laughs> like, close, wait a dude. We would have celebrated a 100th episode, right? So, like, probably not 100 yet. <laughs> we're getting there. Slowly but surely. All right. Well, now that we've figured out what episode number this is, I guess we can talk business. <laughs> Biznatch. Biznatch. Any biznatch? I got none. I just have my apology for being late this last week. I was in Hawaii. Yeah. Celebrating. No need to apologize. Titi and Tio's nuptials. Congratulations to them. They are Beep. now off on their six-week world Holy traveling shit. honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. They should have lots of fun. <laughs> that is a... Hell of a honeymoon. Damn. <laughs> go big or go home, says the Sagittarius. I would be so tired. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. She travel, is travel, a travel, 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 travel. and gal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like when you already have a destination wedding, what else do you do? Go to more destinations. <laughs> <laughs> well, she lives there. Yeah. I know, but like it's a oh. destination wedding location, you know, like people oh, yeah. go to Hawaii to get married to not... Yeah, have to get married in their own hometown, but and then you can like just when you're have already at your the destination there. That's yeah, that was kind of what I was trying to say. You know yeah. what? I'm still wine drunk. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, big congratulations! Congratulations! They're successful nuptials. It worked out despite all of the astrology omens. Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> yeah, I have some too. So I, I just said I'm wine drunk mildly wine drunk still just got back from a big day kirk had some friends from out of state visit and there's actually a friend that he hasn't seen in forever who's in state but she works at ridge winery ridge vineyard something like that anyways her name is chelsea and she is super into true crime stuff and astrology and she was like oh my god you do a podcast on these two things that are my favorite so she was super excited, and then she had her own ideas that I had never really considered. Because, like, we we do some big boy 
big girl, whatever, like big stories, right? We do some serious serial killer stories, but we mostly stay to like historic or niche or small town (laughs) things that haven't maybe been as, you know, as front line of the newspaper sort of thing. Don't do like huge heavy hitters. I don't think any of us are going to do like Tom. We kind of swayed away from them. Tom. Tom? Tom. Tom Brady. What's his name? Ted Bundy. Ted Ted Bundy. Todd Brady. Tom Brady. Also a psychopath. Oh, well, <laughs> he doesn't eat tomatoes. It's disgusting. He's never had a strawberry in his life. What? Yeah. That's I, fucking That's weird. my one fact about uh, Tom Brady that I read at yeah, one time. No, there's something going on there. Let's check okay. out if he's ever been in a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think, but we're not going to, I don't think any West will hit. I mean, maybe I'll do Tom Brady. There's Deflate Gate. <laughs> oh, God. Sports. <laughs> that's a crime. Yeah, no. <laughs> Fixing games. Crime against fans. So anyways, <laughs> Chelsea had had this like idea. Maybe you've read stuff about this, but I hadn't ever really considered it. So the Zodiac, mm-hmm. the symbol has always been kind of portrayed that it's like the crosshairs of like a scope in a rifle. Mm-hmm. It's also the same shape as like a natal chart. If you have mm-hmm. it's circular and it has two main intersecting points. And he's named the Zodiac. So she said she doesn't think that anyone maybe has looked at more of the astrological side of trying to solve the cipher using astrology. Are we going to solve the cipher? (laughs) So she was like, you should, you should look into, like, if you can do the astrology stuff and figure out, like, if you can, if that's, if he's actually been signing off with this. For some of them, but on the final one, I don't think they ever actually did. And like, there's, you know, people working their whole lives on it. I'm like, I don't think we're going to be the ones to do this, but. Shout out to Chelsea. It was a cool idea. And like, I, it, there might be something there. I have no idea. I'm not the one to do it because I have a totally different career path. And there's a lake, a local murder for us because there's a Lake Berryessa one. Yep, exactly. Which is funny because the last time that this crew from out of state that Kirk knows was in town, we actually went to Lake Berryessa, like not very far from <laughs> Did where. Did you tell them about them? <laughs> Oh, for sure. Like, okay. that was the that was one of the, like, we could go to this spot kind of thing. Like, it was literally right up the road, but, like, it was going to be getting dark soon. We didn't want to be out there. But we had charcuterie and wine from the winery that we went to that time. So we pulled it up on the map. Like, we could drive 15 more miles up here and be able to go to this specific spot. But we don't mm-hmm. want to. We're going to stop here. So on December 5th of 2020, it was deciphered. The cipher oh, really? was deciphered. Good, because I don't want to do it, to be honest. I know, right? <laughs> By an international team of private citizens, including an American software engineer, an Australian mathematician, and a Belgian programmer. Okay. We were not the right trio for that. No. <laughs> I was never, yeah. I was like, I, oh, I'm not boy. Going. But it's an, it was an interesting facet to look at, and I yeah. hadn't really, because the Zodiac is named, he named himself the Zodiac. It wasn't like a random mm-hmm. thing. And he was using a circle with an intersecting lines symbol all along. So I was like, maybe he's mm-hmm. showing us his natal chart. Like, <laughs> Anyway. This is a very Wanted short... to shout out to probably our newest listener, Chelsea, as soon as she logs onto her Spotify or Apple podcasts or whatever she uses. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the, the shit show that you. is us. <laughs> we are a little less of a firm trine than those three gentlemen. That's yeah. The <laughs> uh, no, not not a lot of skills I don't have. <laughs> Although remember, I did learn how to subtract in my head again, so I am almost you did. a mathematician. Almost in the maths. I love that maths. All right, well, are you guys ready for our Thanksgiving episode? Absolutely. Yeah. Gobble gobble. 
motherfucker. Coco, motherfucker. <laughs> Turkey Day trivia. Ooh, I forgot about this. Yay. I didn't do a fancy PowerPoint like I did last year because, you know, I just got back from That's Oahu. totally okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have five questions for you guys. The first being... Which professional football team has played 81 times on Thanksgiving Day? Cowboys. Sarah? Jesus, fuck. Uh, Patriots. <laughs> it is the Detroit Lions. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. Uh. <laughs> so this tradition started back in 1934 when then-owner George A. Richards decided to play on the holiday to attract more fans because at that time the Detroit Tigers were yeah. more popular. They are 37:42, and this year they're going to play Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving at 9.30 a.m. Dallas Cowboys, they started the same tradition, but in 1966. Okay, way later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a better record, though, so just keep that in mind when you're doing your picks next week. <laughs> I am not the football person. However, I did see... The Vikings-Bills game with Kirk. Oh my god, you watched that game? That game was incredible. It was so fucking crazy. We were like depressed by halftime. We're like, oh, this is not going good. And then it was like, oh god. And then it got stressful. And then I took a nap afterwards because I was all stressed out. (laughs) (laughs) Game of the year so far. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. So question two. In 1935, the Macy's Day Parade featured a balloon of Pinocchio. Okay. How long was his nose? 12 feet. 20 feet. It was 44 feet long. (laughs) Oh, no. So he'd been lying for a while. Was he dragging around by his nose? His nose was floating, but it was almost the same size as the entire rest of his body. Oh, that's so obscene. And we can put a picture up. It is quite hilarious. Probably looks like a narwhal. Uh, it looks worse than that. Oh, no. <laughs> that is awful. Oh, God. And number three, name one of the four states with a city that has turkey in its name. Uh, still don't know. <laughs> no guesses? Georgia. Connecticut. Kentucky. Nope. North Dakota. New York. Oh, God. Nope. (laughs) All right. So your choices were Turkey, Texas, population 389. (laughs) Turkey Creek, Louisiana, population 459. Mm, Should have been south. Turkey, North Carolina, population 295. Or Turkey Creek, Arizona, population 294. No one wants to live in Turkey. <laughs> Do they all have just one turkey to share in the whole town? Like Maybe they just get together for one big feast. <laughs> all right. Number four, name the Sesame Street character whose costume is made of turkey feathers. Big Bird. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> it's not Snuffy. I was going to say Snuffleupagus, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he was my favorite. I loved him. But yes, Sarah is correct. It is Big Bird. Have you seen the other iterations of Big Bird? Like he comes in a bunch of different colors from different countries. Oh, oh I didn't know he came in different colors. International Or maybe they're Big like Bird. relatives of Big Bird. But I've seen like basically Big Bird 
but in different colors and like languages. Interesting. There's like a green one, I think, and an orange one. And it's, yeah, it's like weird to see him like that. <laughs> anyway. The green one's been smoking weed or something. <laughs> oh, no. Well, for our big bird, our yellow big bird, the American Plume and Fancy Feather Company, oh my which God. I love that name. I love that too. Is responsible for making Big Bird Suit, which includes over 4,000 turkey feathers that have been dyed yellow. Wow. And then if Sarah doesn't get number five, I'll be very sad for her. Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. God damn. (laughs) What is the most popular type of alcohol served on Thanksgiving? Wine. More specific. Red wine. (laughs) Yay! Ding, okay. ding, 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 ding. I was like, what? <laughs> Hannah's correct. Woo. So it was probably too wine drunk. Yeah. <laughs> too. Still. It was yeah, red so. and white today. I'll have you know. A mix. Woohoo. And I had a Swiss coffee. So that's one in one. Yeah. So you we guys tied. Are both winner, winner, turkey dinners. I don't want a turkey dinner. Sarah can have it, actually. Yay. Okay. <laughs> Blah, turkey. Hannah hates turkey. I hate it so much. <laughs> Oh, and P.S. I sent my coworker to Trader Joe's to get me some stuffing chips, oh. but evidently oh. our stuffing chips are no longer in season <gasps> in what? Washington. Well, I don't what? know if ours it's are not either. Thanksgiving yet. That's what my coworker was telling the lady at the counter. She's like, "What the fuck? That's crazy, huh?" She's like, "Tis the fucking season still." Yeah, for a second I thought Thanksgiving already happened, but no, you're right. They should still be there. It's next Thursday. Where am I? (laughs) Weird. That's stupid. Probably what happened is Trader Joe's only makes a certain amount each year, and then once they're gone, Mm -hmm. they're gone. And they're They're like, well, it's Christmas time now. Peppermint potato chips. Roll them out. (laughs) They stopped making the butternut squash mac and cheese, which I'm really sad about, at least for my favorite seasonal food, but I haven't seen it in like three years now. Oh, man. Trader I did Joe's. look on Amazon, and I can get a bag of the stuffing chips, but it's like 20-some dollars, and I'm just not going to do it. I will look. I'll go tomorrow on my way into work and see if they have any more. And if they do, I'll buy several bags and ship you some. Okay, because oh, I was, was going to say, I feel like I need to swing by Trader Joe's and see if they're still in stock down here, because they ate my bag, too, yeah. and my <laughs> other bag. Sounded so delicious, and I was hoping to have them next week for while we're at work, like for yeah. I thought we I thought we still had time. Fucking Washington, Jesus. Anyways, we are going to head to the Lake Worth area of Texas, circa 1985. Okay, but before we get there, we are going to make a quick pit stop back in 1969. Okay as Lake Worth is also known to be one of the best documented cryptozoology <gasps> sighting places. What do they see there? Chupacabra? Chupa turkey. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> so Lake Worth features a mysterious creature that has been nicknamed the Lake Worth Goat Man. Ooh, Ooh. I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> In July of 1969, this large creature was spotted in the lake by many people over several days. And the creature was described as part goat, 
and part man with scales and long clawed fingers. It's Capricorn. It's a Capricorn. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The sea goat. I was like, what's a goat doing in the lake? It's a swimming goat. It's a Capricorn. (laughs) That all makes sense now. So on to the murders. We are on Thanksgiving Day, which was November 28th of 1985. Seems late. Joe, who was born on January 20th of 1941 in Fresno, California. I sure it's not my mom because that's also her birthday. Oh, is it? Oh. <laughs> well, this is a dude and his name is Joe. Okay. Hi, mom. <laughs> Wait, your mom was born in 41? I have no idea what her birth year is, but her birthday. Oh, oh, okay. oh okay. I was like, she's really old then. Well, I, I do have older parents, but I'm probably not that old. Okay. So Joe and Susan Blount. I Blunt. think it's Blount. Blount. It's not Blunt. Blount? Blount's terrible, but okay. B-L-O-U-N-T. All right. Blount? Blount. 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 Blount, Blount, I guess. O-U-N-T? Out. Yeah. Like count, but Blount. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Blount. Okay. So Joe and Susan Blount, along with their children, Robert and Angela, celebrated Thanksgiving with Joe's brother, Carl, and Carl's son, Michael Columbus, at their trailer in the Hilltop Mobile Home Park just outside of Lake Worth. The family ate Thanksgiving dinner around 4 p.m. After dinner, around 5 Carl went home, leaving his son Michael, who was 18 at the time, behind to hang out with the family. Later that evening, around 9 p.m., Susan decided to head to bed. So Joe drove Angela, Robert, and Michael down the road about a half a mile to the local convenience store to get some candy and some beer. Great. Love it. (laughs) Now you may be thinking, but nothing is open on Thanksgiving. I wasn't, but okay. (laughs) Things are open. There's always the person who's like, shit, I forgot the butter. I know from experience, because in my youth, I worked for a convenience store over the Thanksgiving holiday, and most of the people who came in was for beer and cigarettes more often than beer and candy. That's sad. (laughs) That's a sad Thanksgiving. (laughs) However, we had a lot of really nice neighborhood people, and they would bring me pumpkin pie. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So while Joe and the kids were gone, Susan heard a knock at the door. She did get up and peer through the window, but she didn't see anybody outside. So she thought it might be some of the neighborhood kids doing, you know, a ding dong ditch or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She didn't bother to open the door. She just went back to bed. About 20 minutes later, Joe and the kids returned home. On the front porch step was a briefcase. The three kids were, like, pretty excited about this because they were like, it's got to have cash inside. That's what I mean. My first thought is definitely cash. Santa came early. And most articles say that Angela was the one, and she was 15 at the time, that brought the briefcase inside. Oh, no. They all go inside. She sat it down in the living room and opened the latches. What happened next was described by Rick Halperin in an article for Death Penalty News in Texas on November 23rd. they have that newspaper. Five, right? <laughs> was it a bomb? Oh. This was a big quote, but here we go. Quote, as she opened the lid, she sprang a Victor mousetrap hidden in the briefcase. <sighs> that completed a connection 
to two 9-volt Radio Shack batteries. The battery current traveled through the wires to a model rocket igniter, which set off a model rocket motor. This ignited smokeless powder of the kind that had been taken from shotgun shells, packed inside two 8-inch lengths of capped galvanized pipe. Pressure built within the pipe until it blew apart. Jesus. Hot shrapnel flying at 2,000 feet per second, Mm -hmm. about twice as fast as a bullet from a handgun. The same blast simultaneously ignited a small jar of gasoline in the briefcase, creating a fireball. It's like actually stupid easy to make a bomb. You could buy all that stuff. Sure. It takes a really fucked up mind, though, to want to make a fucking pipe bomb. Mm-hmm. And leave it in a household where there are children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get into this. Jesus. If it was random or not. How, sorry, how old was she? I- Angela was 15. So Angela, Michael, who was 18, and Joe, who was 44, were instantly killed by the Ugh. explosion. Robert, who was 14, survived the blast with superficial injuries and third degree burns. The heat from the explosion was so hot that it actually melted Robert's slippers to his feet. Oh, God. This is why when we were playing the newlywed game on Plants Are Optional and they asked what my greatest fear is, it's fire. Mm-hmm. It's not my fear of not being perfect. That's number two. But it's <laughs> definitely fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's just so Oh, it's tragic. horrible. Susan was in the bedroom at the time of the explosion, and she was not injured. Okay. Okay. Local police and federal ATF agents were on the scene quickly, and the investigators spent months interviewing witnesses and sifting through what little remained of the family's trailer. The investigation, however, did not turn up anything credible. They were a typical blue-collar family. Police could not find any sort of enemies, and none of them were involved in any sort of criminal activities either. So it's kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, Maybe like a hit gone wrong. Or like, just random. They got the wrong address. If you're fucked up enough to make a bomb, you could be fucked up enough to just put it somewhere. <sighs> True. Susan was at the top of the investigator's suspect list because she was the only one who was uninjured in the Susan blast. says, what the fuck? I did not build a bomb. And blow up her own house. Yeah. And my children. Maybe my husband, but not my children. But the police found out that she carried life insurance policies on her husband as well as her daughter. So they were like, Well, you're supposed to have life insurance on, like, especially your partner once you have kids. Exactly. But why the daughter? I don't know. That one's weird. She's 15. Sometimes, like, so I have one through my work because it's it's just free. It's a, a small amount, but essentially it's free with my benefits for my work. So it could be the same for them. So Susan recalled the detective looking at her and saying, quote, I have you dead to rights, lady. How much was the policy? End quote. Look it up, dude. Jeez. The policy covered Joe for $2,000. Oh, my and God. Angela for $1,000. That is a shit life insurance policy. It's like enough to barely cover a like, funeral. funeral. Not like even burial. Anymore. Well, Maybe in the 85, 80s. But... Well, wow. Susan told the detective, quote, it won't pay to bury them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even in the 80s, it was a racket. 
Christensen passed the polygraph test and investigators verified the value of the insurance policies. They did finally ease off Susan as a suspect. Did that uh, one asshole detective ever apologize? Probably not. No. No. He moved on with his life. There were several other suspects, but nothing really panned out. And with no leads, the case went cold quickly. And it would stay that way for 12 years. Oof. Wow. Okay. Now let's meet Michael Roy Tony, who was born December 29th of 1965. He has He's three Capricorn. first names. Don't trust him. Tony grew up in Cottonwood, California. He had a hard childhood, to say the least. His father went out for smokes and never mm. returned. His mother worked in some of the local taverns and would frequently bring home boyfriends that were extremely abusive to Tony and his brothers. Tony ended up dropping out of school after the ninth grade, and he beat feet and left for Texas. So California was fair, just not his jam. Not much is known about his life, except for he had his fair share of run-ins with the law, mostly for burglary, theft, and various parole violations. Tony would later admit that his life was, quote, one of waste and cruelty, end quote. Hmm. Self-aware. In 1997, while Tony was in jail pending trial for an alleged burglary in 1993, he was sharing a cell with a man named Charles Jack Ferris. So Charles went by Jack. Sure, why not? Check, check. Not sure why. In exchange for his freedom on his driving on a suspended license, Ferris told authorities that Tony had made a jail time confession to the Blount family bombing. Investigators now finally had a lead, so they began interviewing Tony's family, his friends, and acquaintances. First to be interviewed was Tony's ex-wife, Kim. At first, Kim said that Tony would never have any involvement with anything like that, Please, like, are you sure? <laughs> right. Later, though, she would call investigators and come in, and she had a very different story to tell. Tony was indicted for capital murder on December 4th of 1997. So, mind you, this is 12. 12. How do you do the math? Yeah, 12. 12 years. <laughs> Solid. Ugh. Nailing it again. I can't do maths. So, this is 12 years after the crime had taken place. So he was indicted on capital murder charges. Almost for exactly. All three, mm -hmm, for all three of the victims. Upon being arrested, Tony told investigators that Ferris was lying, that another man named Benny Joe Toole, whom Tony had shared a cell with on another occasion, had actually confessed to the bombing. And he was merely just telling Ferris this story. Several months went by and Ferris actually recanted his story, and he said that Tony had made up the story so that Ferris could use it to get out of jail earlier or get off of his charges earlier. That seems very nice for a stranger to do for you. Did he, did he know Jack? Mm, I don't think so. This revelation, however, fell upon deaf ears in the prosecutor's office. So off to trial. Do -do -do -do. In May of 1999, Tony's trial for the murder of Joe Blount, Angela Blount, and Michael Columbus got underway in Fort Worth, Texas. Susan and Robert testified to the horrifying events on that Thanksgiving day, now 14 years ago. 
Some of the more damning testimonies came from Tony's ex-wife, Kim. Hey, Kim. His ex-best friend, Chris Meeks. And another previous cellmate, and this is my favorite name ever, Phineas Blankenship. (laughs) Oh, interesting. We know a Blankenship. We do. I'm going to say just a lot of exes came out to testify for this trial. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't have any, like, current. They're all exes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all my exes in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm George Strait. <laughs> so Kim testified on the night of Thanksgiving 1985, Mike and Chris Meeks, his ex-best friend, came to her apartment and they decided to go fishing. They all got into Mike's new truck and they went to Lake Worth. When they got there, they stopped at this propane place and then Mike got out of the truck and he grabbed a briefcase from his toolbox that was in the bed of the truck. He then Mm -hmm. walked off with the briefcase and then came back without it. Then they got back in the truck and they went to the local nature center and they hung out for a few hours till probably right around midnight. Wow, that's late. Yeah. Why the fuck did Mike get a briefcase? He does not sound like a briefcase guy. I know, right? Amazon. And, oh, 1985? <laughs> yeah. Was that a thing back then? <laughs> the Amazon River bit it out at him. It's just floating down. A crocodile handed it to him. <laughs> this is made of my own skin. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so Kim would also testify for whatever reason, and I'm thinking it's just mentioning that they had rifles but that chris and mike got rifles out and mike shot a beaver why i don't know why it's relevant but chris would also testify that mostly supported this series of events as well and then phineas took the stand and his story would somewhat back up kim and chris's story But he testified that Tony had told him that he had been paid $5,000 to leave a bomb at the Hilltop Mobile Home Park in a drug-related hit. Oh. That Tony had put the bomb on the wrong doorstep. Uh Uh-huh. Just, you know, go through the trouble of that, like, that much scary, because you're risking yourself to make a bomb like that, too. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not safe to do. And then you're going to go through that trouble to kill a random family, like... There's the, it was either the wrong place or there's more to this. I'd say if it know. was a random family, I would have expected more bombs because you want yeah, the fear. It would be like multiple. Exactly. Because they usually do this in a way that like, they plan to get the most impact. Yeah. Or it's yeah. a specific like, yeah. And Tony does sound like an idiot. He could have <laughs> gone to the wrong house. However, Tony did take the stand in his own defense, and he rebuffed all of Kim's testimony, saying that, number one, they did not go fishing on Thanksgiving because it was 31 degrees with 15-mile-an-hour winds. This was verified by the National Weather Service. Yeah. (laughs) Taking the stand. Two, they never left Kim's apartment that night. They were not married at that time yet. Oh, so because they're not married, they're having all the sex. All the sex. All of it. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that, but sure. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. There? No. And then three, the truck that they were supposedly driving around in was actually purchased on December 13th, which they had 
records for. Okay. And then the rifles that were mentioned in relation to the murder of the beaver. <laughs> beaver murder? Let's put him on trial for that one, too. Right? Can I didn't know people hunted beaver. Unnecessary. It sounds like they just shot a beaver. I don't like. It doesn't sound like they like ate it. No, they just shot it. They just killed it. That's fucking rude. That's, I know. It's, I know. What has a beaver ever done to you, sir? He was just trying to dam the river. Fuck. We'll collect you some goddamn fish. Right? In California, the North American beaver is a keystone species. They're ecosystem engineers. Yeah, they help like maintain yeah. waterways yeah. and like ponds and lakes and fuck. That's so mean. Yeah. The beaver's just like, no one's going to pick up my job now. There's so many trees that must be felled. <laughs> I know. It was really a detriment to the entire community. That's why Texas is that the way is it is now. Murder. That's a murder. But Tony was testifying that the rifles that Kim had mentioned in the murder of the beaver were actually purchased on December 18th, which was also verified by ATF records. <laughs> okay. And so I'd also like to point out at this time that investigators never found any connection between Tony and the victims. They never found any physical evidence like bomb-making materials or it was years any shit like later, that. But, but there'd be like metal filings and th that just kind of gets everywhere, doesn't it? There also might be receipts for purchases of materials. Mm. I mean, they mm. did their due diligence looking, but they never found any physical evidence. There were also no eyewitnesses, neither Kim or Chris could testify that they saw Tony place that briefcase on the Blount family's porch, specifically, right? Because he just He's like, yeah, please come around and watch yeah. me commit a crime, right? He could have been dropping off encyclopedias to a family that exactly. Them. Oh, we've been really shit talking. Tony is actually very smart. So the prosecution's entire case rested on witness testimony. There was actually no fucking evidence whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, if I'm on the jury, I'm not convicting. The receipts mm -hmm. sell me. Exactly. Some mm -hmm. sort of evidence. Something that corroborates these If all stories. the physical evidence says, no, that's not part of the story. No, that's not part of the story. That was their whole story. Right. Then it doesn't add up to anything. Fucking Phineas. <laughs> It should also be noted that Phineas was facing two counts of indecency with a child. Ew. Mm-hmm. Fucking Phineas for reals. When he agreed to testify against Tony in exchange for having his charges dropped. See, that's not uh -uh. an exchangeable thing. Driving with no. an expired license, fucking fine. That seemed like sure. worth the information about a murder. But like, you fucking with a kid? We're not trading. Mm -mm. You can tell me about it, but that's all we're doing here. Was he trying to get, like, some preferential treatment in prison? Because, like... No, he's trying to get out. Right, but, like, pedophiles don't do well in there anyway. Yeah, which is probably why he wanted to be get out, out of jail. Jesus. Yeah. And then in 2001, Chris would sign an affidavit that said, quote, My testimony about the events that happened on Thanksgiving Day 1985 may not have happened on that actual day, end quote. Yeah, because my question is, like, what is Chris getting out of it? Nothing. Although ex-best ex friend, there could be some real drama there. But if it didn't happen on that day... It might have happened. the family was murdered on that day. What? The events of them going fishing and them stopping at the propane and tank... And shooting the beaver. Exactly. Happened later in December is essentially what he is saying. But that's when they said that... He walked off with the briefcase, too. It was in between those events. So then, like, 
no. <laughs> if that was part of your core memory, then like, no, that didn't happen that day. Well, it's been a cop. It's been a couple years. It has been. Yeah. I'm just gonna tentatively put out drug use on this one. Yeah, you got some holes in your brain. You might have just kind of conflated two memories together. Very well could have. Then is yeah. it even the same person? Yeah. <laughs> Chris is out with like a completely different dude than his lawyer. He's like, oh, a briefcase. Like, yeah, we I've seen one of on those. December 18th, but Thanksgiving, who was I with that that time? Yeah. Well, I anyway. wasn't with Tony because he was fucking his not wife. Right? <laughs> so, despite the lack of evidence and the actual factual rebuttal to all of their witness statements, Tony was convicted on May 20th of 1999 and sentenced wow. to death. <gasps> wow. Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, this seems like a sentence to death of a crime. It is, yeah. I would put you in a room with a bomb. That's be my choice of death for this whoever mystery bomber is. But this is why we don't trust the death penalty. I think we should burn his slippers onto happens. his feet first too to. Match oh, the crime. and let that yeah for at least a couple. And then he can yeah, yeah. really needs that experience. after experiencing that pain. Just a third degree burn. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, oh yeah. my god. So his initial appeal for a writ of habeas corpus was denied. In his second appeal, Tony's defense was able to produce evidence that the prosecution had withheld 14 documents from them, which contained evidence that contradicted all of their witness testimony. They're not supposed to do that. No. Discovery and all that, right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Tony's defense also suggested that based on the information that the witnesses were testifying to, that the police had to have provided some of that information directly to the witnesses. So there's some some not great stuff going on. On December 17th of 2008, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals overturned Tony's conviction. They ruled that the prosecutors had knowingly and wrongfully withheld exculpatory evidence from the defense. The -hmm. prosecution opted not to retry the case. Okay, so don't burn his slippers onto his feet. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was whoever the bomber is. I wanted to do that too. This is why the death penalty is problematic because shit like this happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like you might find out literally a day late is not okay and the prosecution's like oh yeah we hid those for a reason we're not gonna try this case again now that you have but that means that then they're murderers because they put a man to death with their own doing on purpose knowing that they yeah yeah then then the police that are involved are murderers i feel like it also could have been bad interrogation where you like kind of lead them and you're like true no, you're not. You like, were given the didn't facts Didn't you shoot on that perfect. beaver? Yeah. <laughs> We've been investigating this dead beaver for the last three days. Where's the beaver? We just left him there? Can we estimate a time of death on the beaver? <laughs> Can we do a necropsy? On September 2nd of 2009, Tony was released from prison after having served ten. over 10 years. Yeah, wow. I did the math, guys. It was really easy. <laughs> Just one month later, on October 3rd, 2009, Michael Roy Tony died in a car accident. Oh, my God. Jesus. Wow. So he had one month of He freedom. had been oh my God. in a car in a while. He was actually safer in prison. Potentially. The Blount family murders still remain a mystery to no. this day. There has oh. been no uh. other arrests. There's been no other real investigations. Okay, what about fucking Chris? 
Nobody said anything afterwards. I don't think the police were talking. The prosecutors were uninterested. How do people learn how to make pipe? Like, there's books or articles the or something that they're handbook. reading to figure out how to do mm-hmm. this. Right, exactly. So, like, there's got to be a trail somehow of, like, some But the anarchist handbook has been passed around on the underground for a while. Sure. Yeah. And before yeah. the internet. And, like, if you are and maybe a more sleazy group of friends, it might pop up. You don't buy it at the bookstore, so I, there's not going to be a receipt. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I just mean, like, chances are if you have a copy or have seen a copy before, you have other stuff that's bordering on that level of fucked up, too. Have yeah. they also, have they looked at any other, like, pipe bomb makers to see if there's overlap in the style? Because I've heard that, like, there's, there's like a, like a fingerprint of, like, how they put it together or what kind of tools they use and things like that that you can trace and find out makers, but nope. nothing. It doesn't wow. sound like they care anymore. Nope. They really did not do their best due diligence in this case. And I don't think that this is ever going to be solved. Well, it's also one of those cases where, like, the prosecution and the cops have decided it's yeah, this. Colluded. It's this. Yeah. It's, what if it's a cover up? Could be. Like, they fucked up and then they pinned a guy for it. And then he ended up getting uh, out anyway. So then they orchestrated a car accident to kill him anyway. So he wouldn't talk. I don't know. You just like, but you read so much about like, and you watch mm-hmm. like cop shows and talk, even like, even, even some of our favorite cops, we don't like that word, but like, they're really like, fucking hell, Elliot Stabler is not great at his fucking job. No. And Olivia Benson, not much better. And she's captain now. No, because you have to have oh, suspense. Jesus. You have to have like... Dun, dun, dun. Right? There has to be a, a cat and mouse aspect. There has to be a... Yeah. They're really working hard and thinking about this and like... <laughs> if they make it too obvious how good they are, it's not a fun show. See, I don't believe that because I also really like The First 48, which is a documentary. Yeah. About very boring police officers trying to solve a crime. Like, it's not very interesting, but it's like, oh, look at them go. Yeah. I watched that with um Brian when he first moved in, and he oh. wasn't in the academy yet, and so we watched right. the first 48 together. Because <laughs> he, want, he wants to be a detective someday, whatever. Which, go Brian, ACAB, go. but... Yeah. The individual isn't always the one that's fucked up. It's the whole... It's the entity. I think we still do need people to investigate murders. Yes. Yes. For sure. We don't need the police doing a lot of the things that they do They right don't need now. to have armored vehicles. They also don't need to be in charge of... Dealing with the homeless. Yeah, like welfare checks, you don't have to have a gun to a welfare check at all times. Yeah. You don't need to, yeah. You really don't need a tank. Badger, yeah, yeah, no. uh -uh. Badgers and beavers. (laughs) Where was I going with badgering? I forgot. Badgering homeless people and like trying to, yeah, that's not helping anyone. No, it's just like, it's a community problem. It's not a crime problem. And it's fucking a capitalism problem to not want to support a community. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get revolutionary here. But anyway, so I would say ACAB, but maybe we can investigate the murders and rapes. And keep your fucking body cameras on. Fuck. I know now if you have body cameras off, that should be a fireball offense. Yep. And you don't ever get to have a gun again. No. Sorry. Like, it's very simple. It's so standard now. When I was in high school, we had... A police officer, like the school police officer for one year. I don't want to say his name, but it rhymes with fucker. Ha! Oh, he must have loved a, a rough life. 
and he discharged his weapon accidentally and then so they at the took school his real oh my god gun away from him and he had one that had rubber bullets in it so i mean he still had a gun but it was not it didn't have stopping power it had injuring power a rubber bullet has some stopping power i mean yes sure. but like not life stopping power is what i mean no jesus fucking christ bumbling fool accidentally discharged his gun at a school yeah i had a dream last night that i was holding a gun where the safety actually lit up when it was off like it blinked oh. to let you know the safety's off i'm like what a cool idea it's like, <laughs> like my, my dream uh, electric last night, toothbrush like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> like this thing is live don't pull the trigger unless you fucking mean to you know oh, and it's like super man. obvious anywho's so this episode does air thanksgiving week and many of our listeners will be celebrating with their family so we are heading to fort matilda pennsylvania in 2012 and we know that when family or friends gather often we get a level of drama or some tense moments and tensions can rise when you add in a level of competitiveness I was going to say alcohol, but sure. Mm -hmm. And alcohol. Now, the participants here were not named, but during their family Thanksgiving, a disagreement broke out between a man and a woman over the answer to a Trivial Pursuit question. Oh my god. Okay, this is my kind of family. It escalated quickly and badly as the woman proceeded to whip out a hatchet... Oh my god. For where? And threaten the From man. From nature's pocket. Oh no, uh, it was a small gun for nature's, nature's pocket. Purse. Uh, nature's purse. <laughs> I'd rather. I don't want a hatchet up there. No. <laughs> Just the handle. The The rest of it can be hanging out. Oh. But you have to like no, sit no. on it then. <laughs> no, no. No. How deep is your purse? <laughs> oh. How deep? No, it's no. not. Uh, <laughs> Okay, we can cut that. Please. Listeners, how deep is your purse? <laughs> oh, God. No, 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 no. So she whips out this hatchet and she threatens the man with bodily injury. Again, this is over the answer to a true pursuit question. Does it say what the question is? It did not. <sighs> I was very upset. I think that's responsible on the part of the, re- the reporters. Yeah, right? <laughs> this is a crucial fact. This could become a very big point of contention for many people if that question was out there. (laughs) There would be a lot of family fights. (laughs) Yes. Police were called, and don't worry, the hatchet was seized. Everything went back to normal. No arrests, anything like that. No, they didn't really have much more information other than there were some charges that were pending, but it was likely that they would not be filed. So maybe they were able to de-escalate the situation. So. Yeah, it just is a big jump to pull out a hatchet. You think a night in jail or something. Right. So a hatchet's I have a hatchet, hatchet. The hatchet too. had to go to prison. The hatchet <laughs> did have to go to prison. Yes, the hatchet was seized. Just like, They're probably like, this is a cool hatchet. I was in nature's purse before, now I'm here. My life sucks. Can I have just a nice lover sexual please. come get me? <laughs> I have a hatchet story. I don't know if I told you guys this from earlier in the summer. No, because we didn't talk to you all summer. 
Okay, so while I was in Woods Hole, I was out to dinner with, like, the lab personnel crew that kind of, like, run the course, the, what mm-hmm. is it called? Staff. It was a staff dinner. We went out to a restaurant, and as we were waiting for all of us to get there, because we were, like, one of the first in the caravan to arrive and get seated, we had, like, encountered this dude who looked like he was high on something, and, like, his eyes were super bloodshot. He was in the parking lot and, like, carrying a cardboard box around, and we're like, we're not going to park on this side of the parking lot. We'll go on the <laughs> other side. So we, we get in, we sit down on the patio, and then we see the same guy, and out of, you know, like, the corner of my eye, I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, it's the same dude again, but he's, like, on the other side of the parking lot, which is, like, next to an auto zone, and I start hearing this, like, loud banging, like, metal on metal sound, and wow. he has a hatchet in his hand, and he is digging the hatchet into the side of a car repeatedly, just angrily hacking at the metal siding on this car. Okay, sir. Just randomly. And I was like, oh my God. And like, we're all we're separated by is like a small, like metal, mm-hmm. like three foot. And you know how he feels about metal. Patio. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I don't feel safe. Like my back's kind of turned oh, to him. Oh, no. Uh-uh. So I'm like, because I'm sitting facing the door on the patio. Anyway. So I get on the phone. I'm like, I'm going to call the police. And everyone's like, really? I'm like, yeah, this is not a good situation. So I call the police. I'm like, there's a man in the parking lot of the AutoZone who's got a hatchet and he seems like he's not really all there. And he is swinging a hatchet into a car. Like, we don't feel safe. Please come do something. And like within two minutes, they were there. Oh, Like wow. four cop cars pull up. <laughs> it's a quiet town. <laughs> and he's like hacking as they're pulling up. And he kind of freezes with the hatchet in hand. And they're like drop it like and then they just talk to him for like 15 minutes they confiscate the hatchet and they send him off in his car on his way see this is the other thing the police don't need to do is take care of the mentally ill yeah like clearly he's having some sort of break unhelpful don't let him just drive drive away, drive away. yeah drive away as he's driving away he's got drumsticks and he's like instead of actually holding on to his steering wheel He's, like, drumming on the steering wheel as he's, like, speeding out of the parking lot. I'm like, wow. That, that's your answer? <laughs> like, you just we're like, all in danger still. <laughs> you're like, uh, solid five out of ten on that one, cops. You're not done. <laughs> yeah. So that's my hatchet story. Wow. wow. That's scary. That's it was really scary. Because, like, if fuck. he's already having a mental break, it literally takes – it would take him five seconds to turn around and run to- towards us with that hatchet. Yeah, take the sure. sharp thing out of his hands. Or even one. throw it. Like, what if he oh, threw it fuck. or if it slipped out of his hand when he was trying to pull it out of the car again, pull it out of the metal siding? Like, yeah. yeah. I could see that, too. Mm-hmm. That's a bad situation. Yeah. All right, ladies. For astrology this week, we've got a few things cooking. My dad jokes. Okay. Cooking? Oh, because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tried. I tried to I, be witty. I was just like, yeah, right. sure, cooking. Roasting? <laughs> Braising? Frying, yeah, sauteing. So Monday, November twenty first, when this episode airs, Mercury in Sagittarius will be conjunct with Venus in Sagittarius. Mm. So this is going to be a great day to be social. So Monday. potentially a good friendsgiving on a Monday. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of people take the whole week off. Yeah. Either way, meet up with some friends, have some cocktails, have some fun. It's going to be a really fun day. And then Tuesday, November 22nd, the sun enters Sagittarius. So bye-bye, Scorpio. Bye-bye. 
The next few weeks will leave us feeling very adventurous, spontaneous, and optimistic. And it will be a good time for us to connect with something larger than ourselves. So expand your horizons. And your belly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we get a double shot on Thanksgiving Eve, Wednesday, November 23rd. We get a new moon in Sagittarius. This will be an optimistic new moon, and it will have us feeling very generous and giving. That's perfect for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm, It (laughs) is. And also on Wednesday, Jupiter goes direct into Pisces. So our intuition will increase thanks to the very spiritual Pisces energy. Thanks, Sarah. Mm -hmm. This will be a good time for healing and finding inspiration outside of yourself. All right. And there's nothing for the rest of the week. So you can just enjoy Thanksgiving, take the weekend off. Yeah. Otter's birthday would have been on Thanksgiving of this year. He would have been 13. Aw. We miss you, Otter. Yeah. Even though he whooped my ass at Cards Against Humanity (laughs) when I was in Sacramento, Ghost Otter literally whooped my ass. Both of us. Like, oh my gosh. Silly boy. I think he had like 10 cards. And we had like... Two. (laughs) No, you had like five. I think I had maybe a couple more, but he had like way more than both of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally whooped our asses, but... A big thank you to all of our listeners. We do appreciate you. And if you want to tell us what your favorite or least favorite Thanksgiving food is, please feel free to reach out to us. We are on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrine at gmail.com. And then check out our website, www.truecrimetrine.com. Dot com. Check it out in 2023. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am like stressed. Uh, anywho. Stressy, depressy, lemon zesty. Uh-huh. It's not easy peasy lemon squeezy over here right now. <laughs> All right. Bye. 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 Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.